Welcome to Untamed Intimacy, the show that helps you get to the core of what creates safety, love, connection, passion, and pleasure in your relationship. You'll learn how to resolve conflict, communicate authentically, and rekindle passion. So you can create untamed intimacy in your relationship. I'm Ani Manian. And I'm Lee Noto. We're the founders of Untamed Intimacy. And together, we serve couples all around the world to help them create the wildest love they have ever known. We believe that our relationships are the most powerful vehicles for growth, and our partners are our greatest teachers. If you're ready to create untamed intimacy in your relationship, then this is the podcast for you. And if you haven't subscribed yet, go ahead and do that, and you'll be notified as soon as we drop a juicy episode. And if you really love and receive value from this podcast, we'd like to ask two things. Please leave a five-star review and consider connecting with us on Instagram at untamed underscore intimacy. And take a screenshot of your favorite episodes and share them in your stories so others can find this content too. And if you'd like to be coached live on air or have any questions that you'd like answered on the show, visit us at untamedintimacylive.com. We can't wait to hear from you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Untamed Intimacy. I am so, so excited to be here with dear friend, colleague, sister, Chelsea Cap. Um, but I feel like you and I go way back. I'm going to give your formal introduction first because we are going to get really juicy today. We're going to be talking about intimacy through the lens of the body and the emotions. And this is a place where Chelsea is masterful. Uh, she is a certified rolfer and advanced yoga instructor with a passion for helping folks move away from pain cycles and into feeling incredible in their bodies. She believes that turning into the body, which exists only in the present, is our key to awareness. And this in turn helps us create positive lasting change in all aspects of our life. And she's here to serve as a loving guide in that process. She also runs a second business as the founder of the Polycurious Yogi Movement, for anyone who is curious, polycurious. And as a polyamory educator, this is something that she's personally practiced for five years together with her fiance. She's based in Brooklyn, living in the concrete jungle while dreaming of living on a hippie commune in the woods. <laughs> she practices yoga daily, uh, doesn't eat animals. She speaks Spanish well and French badly. <laughs> <laughs> and she works her Capricorn butt off. Um, at this time, she's offering online services for both of her businesses, both privately and in group classes and um, in a course setting. And she's really here to connect with everyone who's listening. So Chelsea, my dear, it is an honor and a pleasure to have you on the show and to be speaking with you today. Oh, thank you. That introduction made me feel so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I it wrote it, but one. the way you said it was just like, oh, that's so nice. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> oh, so I'm here. It's so good, good to have you here. Um, I've known you for a few years now, and I've experienced your rolfing work um, and your content as a consumer of your content online. And something that I, I really 
feel called to share is the intentionality with which you share in the world, no matter what that's about. And I've gotten this sense from you every time we've had a conversation um, that there is just a conscientiousness with which you bring to your introspection and what you put out on social media, when you're interacting with people. And that's something that I really appreciate about you. And it's also a reason why I feel so confident in being able to have this conversation with you today about intimacy in our bodies, how we're relating to our own bodies and our emotions. And that was something you and I had spoken about in leading up to this conversation was how you went from being um, you versus your body to being you and your body's best friend, how you allowed that relationship to really deepen and how you created that intimacy with your body. So can you tell me a little more about that journey? And so those who are listening have some context about what that's all about for you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so like many teenage girls growing up in the U.S., I suffered from a lot of body dysmorphia and body image issues and really feeling like I existed up in my head and my body was just sort of this like meat suit that carted my brain around. Um, and I think that when we separate ourselves from our body in that way, um, it's really easy to fall into that mentality of me versus my body. And my body does things that are inconvenient and my body doesn't look the way that I'm told it should look. Um, and we're, you know, we're told a ridiculous amount of things, uh, of ridiculous things about how our body should look. So we get so many confusing messages, um, not just one, but many. And so, you know, like many teenage girls, I was, I was living with that um, at a time when I was really too young to have any tools or real, like real support around having a healthy view of my body and eating and exercising. And that essentially led me to have sort of like an exercise bulimia, which is a term I only became aware of like a few years ago. Um, basically where I would just like work out all the time, like really push my body hard. And then I would like eat crap. And it was sort of like this vicious cycle. Um, and it was really like a, a, like a form of self-flagellation, like trying to whip my body into the shape and um, not looking at it like, you know, this incredible organism that's keeping me alive and connecting me to my environment or my spirituality, but just this inconvenient, like ugly thing. Yeah. And so, you know, what that led to eventually was work, working out, overworking out, and then flipping that overeating to undereating and overworking out to the point where my body became so weak that I stress fractured my femur, which wow. is the hardest bone in your body to break. And I did it through running too much, running too much, working out too much. Like here was, here's how it was when it was at the peak for me. I would get home from high school. I would not eat. I would go for a long run to the gym where I boxed with other men. It was I was the only uh, woman at that gym, and I would box, and then I would run miles home. So I was just really like depleting my my energy and depleting my body, and meanwhile feeling great about it because my stomach was flat. You know what I mean? <laughs> like this yeah. ridiculous yeah. like view I had. And so eventually it was just like my legs started to hurt because with a stress fracture, it's not like an acute thing. It's like over time, the bone just got so weak from what I was doing that it, it's, I started to limp and then had to get like a specialized kind of x-ray that showed the stress fracture up by my hip. 
And so then, um, you know, working out was also at that time, like a form of escapism for me. Mm. And that's how I would basically escape from my emotions and escape from the angst of being a teenage girl and being in high school and yada, yada. Um, and so without having that crutch to fall on, I kind of fell into a depression. Um, however, at that time, yoga had also just entered my life. And from the very beginning, I felt that uh, even though I wasn't looking for really anything except the ability to like stretch more and do fancy hand balancing tricks, I felt from the very first class at age 17 that yoga was something different. I just felt it was not another workout because it wasn't like a runner's high. It wasn't like an endorphin rush. I felt calmer and more present and I felt like the world was more beautiful. I felt mm -hmm. like I could communicate better after I would practice. And so yoga then became the only thing I could really do while my, while my femur was healing. Mm. Um, and so it was kind of, you know, really a blessing in disguise. Like my grandmother says, when God closes the door, he opens a window. Um, <laughs> and so I, that was like, my window was like, okay, I can go deeper into this practice that I'm really curious about anyway. Um, and so since then, it's just been this like kind of ever deepening journey of synchronicities like I uh, you know the way I found rolfing was I moved into new a new apartment in in Brooklyn and my housemate was a rolfer and within the first 10 minutes of having a session with her I felt like I could take the deepest breath I had ever taken in my life mm. yeah and so there's like 20 year old me just being like oh my god I didn't even know that my body was like holding all of this tension yeah. I, I wasn't even there I was all up here you know I was in my head um, for, you know, my whole life up until, you know, my early twenties with that awakening with yoga and then with, with rolfing, which really encouraged me to start to have conversations with my body. And that conversation is what makes you realize that actually you exist. You exist, I say, not just within your entire skin boundary, but also beyond your skin boundary, which is, you know, maybe a digression we could go further down in a moment, but, um, doing body work and getting into, um, into yoga, really just enabled me to live in my body in a way that I started to love it and started to naturally respect it with my food choices and my exercise choices. Um, so yeah, that was, that was basically the journey of my transformation. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. There was a last bit in there that stood out to me. And as you were sharing that, it also brought up, um, you know, thinking about what the impact is on our relationships when we choose to inhabit our bodies, right? Our relationship with ourself and our relationship with those around us and everything around us, be it food, be it exercise, substances, technology, whatever. So I'm curious to hear what has shifted for you. And, and I'll, I'll just say straight out, you're one of the most embodied people that I know personally what has shifted for you, particularly in your relationship, your romantic relationship, as you have learned to really inhabit your body emotionally, physically, you know, and in any other context in which you've felt that happen for you? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so the way that specifically was your question around um, my relationships, like romantic relationships, right? In particular. Yeah. How yeah. being embodied, yeah, and it definitely has. And so the the story I can I can share about that is I remember 
oh, how many years ago would this have been? At least five years ago it was before I met Ryan, my current partner with whom I'm in an open relationship. Um, it was my first adult relationship and it was monogamous and it was, we were two years together. It was my first like serious adult relationship and um, we lived together uh, and I remember even going into that relationship, I had already heard about polyamory and been really exposed to it, um, and was so interested in it in a way that it felt, it just like, it just resonated. It was like, God, I love that idea. Uh, I'm so interested. And I started to read about it and talk to people. And then I met my, my, uh, my then partner, um, who was not interested in that at all. And I didn't hold my ground. I said, well, okay, I'm falling in love with you. And due to some circumstances, we ended up living together really early on. And so I just sort of conceded. And I like put that side of myself in a box. And I tried mm. to fit myself into this relationship model that I really don't fit in. Um, and, you know, it was, it was a year and a half into that relationship. I was walking down the street on the Upper East Side to teach a yoga class at a, a gym I used to teach at. And... I remember whenever I would go to teach, this was like my first like big teaching job too. I would, I always wanted to be in a really centered embodied place when I walked in to teach. So I was really with my breath. I was really present as I was walking down the street from the subway and the sun was on my face. And all of a sudden as I'm waiting across like second Avenue, this realization just hits me. It's like, you're not going to be with him anymore. And I was like, What? Like, I was completely surprised to hear this intuitive voice, like, clearly coming through. Um, and I think, you know, I'm, I'm answering your question that way because I don't believe that if I hadn't started and been on this journey of embodiment, that I would have been able to receive that message. Wow. Because our bodies are always sending us messages. Um, we're always getting intuitive yeses and noes and, and messages and directions from our body. But if we are only living up here in our heads, mm. then we don't hear the messages. And I tell this to my clients all the time, you know, uh, our body starts out whispering. You know, the message comes through in a whisper. It might come through in a subtle sensation in our bodies um, or a subtle message that just speaks once. But if we don't listen to it and we continue to bury it or, or try to push it to the side, then it builds. And it goes from having a minor discomfort in the body to a bigger discomfort and then to chronic pain, quite possibly. Yeah. Yeah. That's the progression I've seen for a lot of people that they've just internalized um, bodies um, and so much basically traumas, capital T and lowercase t traumas that we all face throughout our lives. Uh, in a way that they have shut off from listening to their body as a survival strategy, uh, or simply because it's all they've they're in, they're in a lot of pain. It's not like a simple issue; it's like a systemic issue. Um, and so then there's a lot of undoing. So I think of I think of the work I do as it could be undoing, you know, those layers and those years and years of, of basically neglecting the body, um, which is not something our that's necessarily our fault, uh, but. So either we're undoing that or we're preventing it by getting in touch before the problem becomes this huge, you know, seemingly insurmountable issue. Mm, yeah. Wow. I mean, I have personal experience with that. I don't know if you knew this, but it didn't uh, necessarily manifest for me as chronic pain. It manifested as Bell's palsy, paralysis mm. of the whole left side of my face for about three months. And that when I go back and track that experience, 
you know, looking back now with hindsight being 2020, I'm like, oh my God, all the signs were there. You know how those weird um, Facebook things pop up on your feed and it's like this day, three years ago, and those started popping up on my Facebook page, you know, in the days leading up to me, you know, seeing the Bell's palsy for what it was. Mm. And I could see like just cystic breakouts all over my face. I could see how Mm. tired I looked. I remember how stressed I was at that time. And my body was giving me all of these signs. And like you, I was working every day at a corporate job in New York City. I was um, working out hard at the gym every day, overworking out, in fact. Uh, I was in grad school and had a, an apprenticeship on the side. And I'm like, oh my God, I, my frame of, of reference for this kind of body language, the language that my body speaks to me in, was completely out of out of sight, out of mind at that time. And I had no awareness of how to listen to my body, be it physical signs, emotions, um, intuitive hits, like the kind that you received on your way to teach that yoga class. I was so disconnected at that point in my life. And I know a lot of people who are you know, still in that place, who are sort of on the journey to learning more about themselves. And so some of what I hear you saying is um, how we're getting in touch with sort of the physicality of our body through pain as a message. Um, Something I know that you've done a lot of exploration around is how we're using emotions as a message as well. Because I think, Mm -hmm. you know, there are so many people, especially here in Western culture, who push the emotions aside in favor of logic, reason, analysis, like what makes sense, which is a function of up here and really does leave the body and the intuition out of the picture. Mm -hmm. So tell me more about how we can create intimacy and relationship with our emotions, whether that's Mm -hmm. through the body as a vehicle or some other way. Yeah, yeah, I love that question. So the emo- my study of emotions really began with the advanced teacher training I did with a, a woman named Rose Erin Vaughn, who is a really well-known uh, yoga teacher and teacher trainer and acupuncturist uh, based here in New York City. And so she, you know, with acupuncture, the, the understanding is that uh, emotions live in the body in, in, in really well-mapped-out ways. So certain emotions live in certain areas of the body. And I find that, you know, in working with clients that it's often anecdotally true. Like I'll, I'll, I'll see that theory constantly reaffirmed. Although there are some individual variations, uh, which is completely normal and fine and doesn't undo the theory. But so my study uh, w- uh, with Rose of the emotions just really opened up my eyes to be able to understand myself and work with clients in such a deeper and holistic way where they're describing their physical symptoms because mostly people are coming to me for physical reasons or primarily for physical reasons. Um, When they would describe, you know, their physical symptoms, suddenly I could start, like I could start to link things up that they were telling me in a way that made the treatment so much more effective, uh, both in the hands-on body work that I was doing with them, but also uh, in the sense of dialoguing with them and being like, oh, you know, what's really interesting about what you're saying is that's, you know, the kidney meridian and the kidney meridian has to do with lower back pain and feeling really tired all the time and 
like overexerting yourself. And so we were able to start to have these more holistic conversations that were, you know, like light bulbs going off for me, but then also for them to be like, oh, wow, yeah, I never thought about those things being linked. And so then it goes back to your previous question of like, how does that create different, you know, or different relationships? Uh, um, you, you specifically had asked about like romantic relationships, but in any sense of the word, in, in your lifestyle choices and your career choices, like it starts to really throw into relief um, exactly what we're doing and how it's affecting our bodies. When we start to look at the emotion as information, emotions are information, uh, just like logic is information, you know? Um, and more than that, like I see this a lot. I see it. I see women express this a lot uh, in men. It exists for men too, although men um, tend to tend to repress emotion even more deeply, I think a lot of the time than women do, generally speaking. But a lot of times um, when I'm working one-on-one with women doing body work uh, and emotion will start to come up, they'll usually apologize. And I say, it's totally fine. This yeah. is movement of energy. We're moving mm. something that was stuck. Because if you look at the root of the word emotion, e-motion, you're liter- it literally means movement. Yeah. And so there's no need to have all this shame, like, I'm sorry, I'm crying. It's like, I'm so sorry you were carrying that for 20 years. I'm so glad it's <laughs> moving now. Please cry and scream and express, you know, like, let's, let's, let's totally um, hold space for that. Wow. Yeah, I just got chills as you said that because I've, oof, having that sort of release is amazing. And what I love about what you're sharing is that there doesn't have to necessarily be thought or a story around something for us to experience it. And so in, I've, I mean, I've had many a body work sessions across, you know, multiple practitioners where they got the right spot and something was triggered, uh, mm-hmm. a laughter, a cry, a release of sound somehow. And when I arrived at the place of not needing to apologize for it, cause I've done that before. And when I arrived at the place of not needing to know where it came from or like who caused mm-hmm. it in what year and what was the situation, but it mm-hmm. just gets to be, the, the free movement of energy itself without the intellectual narrative, then it's free to move through me. Mm. That, oh, that's one of the most liberating experiences I've ever afforded myself. And it sounds yeah. like you, you see clients through that all the time. Yeah. I love that you, that you mentioned story because uh, in, for myself, and then I, I witness it from my clients too, that it's so easy to get tied up in story. And then the story in turn really ties you back into your pain and into mm. whether that's emotional, mental, and, or physical pain, or usually most often it's a combination of the three, depending on how long it's been there and how it's manifesting, kind of what the weak link is for you as an individual. Um, but yeah, the story I remember in my second rolfing session ever, um, I remember getting up and just being like, why is it like that? Why is my body like that? And my rolfer just said, you know, it's not always important to know why. It's just important to know that you have a different option now. Mm. It doesn't have to be that way anymore. And so it's kind of just like, oh, yeah, that's old stuff. Like, I don't need to keep digging through that, that old pile of stuff. I can just like 
get rid of it. You know, yeah. I mean, in, in some cases that's appropriate. And in other cases, um, you know, tying it back to when and why can be helpful for people. But I, I often find that most people tend to already be really good at the story part and they need to develop the skill set of, of what's happening right now and what's needed right now. So if you're up for it, I would actually love to share the three questions that I go through um, in order to really root us uh, into the body and into the present moment and out of like the stories we weave. Yes, please lead the way. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay, so there's a couple different tactics we could take with this. Um, I'll basically open it up in two ways. So you can either right now, as you're listening, locate a feeling of physical discomfort in your body or an emotion that you're experiencing. And they also might be, you know, one in the same thing, mm. but you could choose one or you could kind of combine both of them. And in the case of if, if it were an emotion, uh, and a difficult or challenging emotion that you're noticing right now, I would like you to just take a moment. And if you'd like to, you can close your eyes for this or just have them open with a soft focus. And I would like you to locate that emotion in your body. And take your time with this. We'll give you a few moments. And once you've located that emotion in your body, I would like you to get very uh, simply descriptive with it. So describe the sensation, you know, in a very elementary, um, tactile way. So does the sensation have like a size? Is it sharp or dull? Um, Does it feel, you know, like a tightness or does it feel like a dullness, a heaviness? Does it feel like a fluttering? So a in a really like literal way, like the way a child might describe something. So we're just naming that physical sensation in a simple way. And then the next question is to ask that sensation or that body part if it has a message for you. kind of just being with that question for a moment for some people it, it it could be really instantaneous or for some other people it could take a little while or a few asks and that's okay but does it have a message and the message can show up differently for different people it might be a word or a phrase it could be a memory a color an image just notice like the first thing that comes up And then the final question is to ask that, that area of your body, what does it need right now? What does it need? And remember, there's no wrong answer. This is just what your body is telling you. And when you feel ready, if your eyes are closed, you can just blink them open. And let's all uh, look at an unmoving point on the floor a few inches in front of you. And breathe in through your nose. Exhale out the mouth. Okay, we're back from that little journey. <laughs> 
How did that go oh, for you, Lee? Wow. That was <laughs> Do you want to share? Yeah. So um, I had uh, the first sensation that came up was um, in my solar plexus area, mm -hmm. um, but kind of between the rib cage, like in that area, that sort mm. of whole uh, region. Um, and there was a bit of tightness and the emotion or just the, some of the, what came up was around anxiety. And the, when I imagined what this looked like, if I had to describe it, it's like there was a crinkled up ball of paper sitting there and maybe multiple crinkled up tight balls of paper. And when I asked what the message has for me, it was like my hands undoing the paper and smoothing it out mm. and just allowing the paper to lie flat, like mm. sp spreading out. And there wasn't a verbal message that came through, but the idea that it's okay to slow down. It's okay mm -hmm. to take space. Um, and that point always sort of, because it's the solar plexus, uh, calls on personal power for me and my personal power around releasing ideas of when things need to get done and all of these sort of artificial due dates that I put on things, which can be very helpful to move things mm -hmm. along. And when it comes with the added sense of stress that is all caused by my, my imagination, then I realize that there's a different option. Mm. And so it was letting myself return to my chill, like return to the place of, <laughs> of fundamental okayness outside Yay. of my Trello board of the things that I'm managing right now. So, uh -huh. wow. um, and, and then the color yellow came up. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so then the question, there's actually a fourth question really, which is as you're asking those other questions, how does the sensation change? I love that one. I or rather as you're answering those questions, if I didn't say that. <laughs> yeah. I feel more expansive now. Like there's mm. just my diaphragm can expand wider with my breath. Mm. Mm -hmm. And that's, I mean, that in and of itself. And we went through that process in what, two minutes just now? Yeah. Two minutes to go through and take that inventory to become aware of an emotion, a bodily sensation, to ask what we need of ourselves, what this message is here to tell us, how we can support ourselves. I mean, for those of you who are listening, who may, you know, might be under the impression that this process of creating intimacy with emotions in the body has to take years of study, tens of books, podcasts, courses, workshops, all those things might be helpful. And we are always the keepers of our own wisdom, of hmm. the messages that we need. And you guiding this, Chelsea, illustrates that perfectly. Mm -hmm. I'm really glad to hear that. I, In my work, one of the main intentions is to, in a way, demystify the, the mystical. Yeah. Um, and that's not to say, you know, I love the mystical and I love the mystery. And I'm not saying like we should, you know, it's not a problem, but I also, yeah, like you said, I don't want people to think that it's this really inaccessible thing. Like the, the, you know, the mystical studies, 
if we use yoga, even Chinese medicine, um, they, so many of them come from the body to begin with. They just came from people paying attention to their bodies and paying attention to other people's bodies and testing out their theories over millennia. Um, but that doesn't mean that we have to. Like you just said, we're the keepers of that wisdom too. We, we've inherited that same ability um, and it's just a matter of starting to use it. So, you know, Lee, you're also a very embodied person and you're used to thinking about your body as having answers. Not yeah. everyone is. Like I've done this with people that they're like, I, I, I don't know. And, and I just, mm -hmm. that's okay. It's kind of like the metaphor that just came to me now is it's like if I walk down the street and go to the coffee shop, um, you know, on a Sunday at 9 p.m. and the coffee shop is closed, like I can just come back tomorrow and ask for my coffee. You know, keep coming back until you reach a time when it's open and, it's, and yeah. it's the same thing with that process. So I encourage you, even if you think you didn't get anywhere, you planted the seed. And if you do mm. want to tune into those answers in your body, just trust that the more you, you keep asking and keep checking in and being patient um, and expecting that one day it will, it, will, it will flower, you know, that intention and that returning is kind of like watering and fertilizing the seed. And eventually you will be able to really quickly access those answers in a way that it can be like instant relief, like you yeah. just described. And, and I felt it's interesting when I did this process with myself yesterday, I had almost an identical experience that you described with anxiety mm. around my diaphragm and it feeling yeah. really constricted. And then I asked it what it needed. It said, take a deep breath. And it was just like, oh, you know, it's like, it's okay to drop <laughs> so and just good. be here. <laughs> yes. It's so good. Yeah. Oh, it, the feeling that I'm getting right now is just this like oh, juicy aliveness. And it's the, for those who are watching on video, it's like, oh, it's so good. I'm just that kind of intimacy and getting to learn our nuances is such a beautiful part of the human experience. And while the experiences that we, you know, go through don't always feel comfortable or fun, there is just so much uh, dynamism in this human life. And as I think of what we're talking about now, you know, it's it's been a process for me and, and probably is also the case for everyone in getting to relate to my body and my emotions in this way. I mean, I can think of times even, you know, in the recent past where it just took practice. I didn't have that kind of relationship with the parts of me that I do now. And so to your point, Chelsea, it's, it's like coming back to the coffee shop. When my favorite restaurant is closed, I will always come back. I'm not going to deny myself <laughs> the amazing pleasures of being at that restaurant just because they're closed on a Tuesday. I'll come uh, back on yeah, Wednesday. Totally. You know, it's like the, the best thing ever. So why don't we, yeah. or why wouldn't we do that with the, the, the treasures that are our body and emotions? Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. I, I tend to look at them as treasures while also honoring the fact that like, yeah, it can be really uncomfortable and really painful. Um, even just the process of, of working through these things, because like I said before, emotion is, is really movement of energy. And so if your energy, if your emotion has been dammed up and pressed down for so long, you start to like 
take those logs off the dam. I'm really going in with the dam metaphor right now. You like, you know, you're freeing up that flow again. Um, It can really come through like a huge like flood, you know, initially, and it can be overwhelming. Um, So that's where if you start to notice uh, that, and, and I find that, you know, we're our bodies and, and our, our nervous system is so smart that I find usually that if on some level our system knows that it's going to be overwhelming, it won't let us really go there. So yes. if you do find that you're super consistently stuck, you may need to go to a therapist or like, you know, a body worker that's trauma informed and that can kind of help you work through those layers of it in a way that's in a really safe container and not like you're just opening the floodgates with like no life vest, you know? Right. <laughs> Right. And, and speaking of that, I mean, it's so important to have those kinds of supports in our lives. Um, and I think of even, you know, aftercare for when I do open those boxes, taking good care of yourself after. So whenever I would get body work, I would purposely make sure that I didn't have anything to do after because I knew mm-hmm. there was a chance that something could come up. Or mm-hmm. if I'm going into a therapy session, making sure that I'm not rushing to a meeting after because stuff does come up in those places. So Mm -hmm. allowing ourselves the space to really expand into whatever is there and being kind and gentle with ourselves if there is a natural contraction after because with the flow of how things work, expansion, contraction. And so I, I also find that in many times when I have a big opening, there is almost always a contraction after, be it emotional, Mm -hmm. physical. Mm -hmm. And I just like to allow myself the space to go inward, journal, to watch Netflix, like whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, you you need aftercare after. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, this, this conversation is so relevant as well, not only to how we relate to ourselves, but how we relate to those around us, be it a romantic partner, colleagues, family members. As I became more acquainted with my body and my emotions, it allowed me the ability to communicate what was happening for me to those around me. And right right before we got on this call, we were talking about how do we define intimacy? And that is one of the most intimate experiences I've ever had is when someone lets me know what is present for them in that moment. And they allow me to be with them there and see them and witness them in whatever's coming up. And when I take, you know, when I take on the same opportunity and I can share with someone, hey, yeah, I'm having this constricting feeling in my diaphragm right now and I'm feeling a little anxious, then it allows that person to be with me in what's happening for me real time. And that's a deeply intimate experience. And Mm -hmm. so I appreciate you sharing that tool because this is a tool not only for us to create intimacy with ourselves, but with those around us. A hundred percent. Yeah, as you were saying that, I was thinking like it really opens the doors of compassion um, you know, for me as a body worker, but I, I, you know, I have a trained eye to like read bodies, but we all do it intuitively and without needing any training. Like we can read people's bodies. We can read body language. We can read posture. Even if we don't think we can, like we intuitively will get information from people and it'll encourage how we feel about them and how we feel around them and ourselves. Um, 
you know, to, I remember there was a point uh, about two years into my career when the realization like fully dawned on me that people who, people who we might label as like difficult or like unpleasant to be around are usually suffering immensely and have a lot of pain. Yeah. Um, and that was just like, oh, wow. Just realizing that really took me out of judging them and into like seeing their pain, you know, mm. and from there we can like, I think you're, uh, you must, you must uh, practice nonviolent communication, Lee, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, you, and even just having a casual conversation, I can tell the way that you just reflect things and, and tie it back into needs and feelings, but we can really move away from, from judging people, um, and towards, mm wow, I wonder what they're feeling and what they might be needing, you know, as they're acting the way that they're acting. And yeah. of course that applies to ourselves too. And oh my God, does it apply to the world around us right now? I mean, that's such a, <laughs> such a relevant conversation because how, you know, I'm not really going to go down this avenue right now, but for a larger context, how do we really create systemic change then to be compassionately curious about what is really causing the pain and fear and aggression and you know all of the things around us is what is happening inside the people who are who are seemingly creating that and mm-hmm. so that is as much of a conversation for us to have with ourselves as it is for us to have in the global environment right now and it's it's just such a powerful tool to have that perspective. 100%. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for that. Um, yeah. So as we wrap up here, I would love for you to share, Chelsea, what you have going on, how people can find you, what you're offering right now, and what's lighting you up. Oh, Yeah. Well, what's lighting me up is everything we've been talking about, like this, you know, holistic work I'm doing of recognizing emotion in the body um, and treating it all at the same time. Uh, In addition to that, I mean, this has been a theme in my work even before coronavirus, but especially with the isolation that we're all having now. I'm really focusing so much of my my online um, and and in-person work right now around empowering people or rather reminding them of their own empowerment, saying empowering someone is kind of an oxymoron, but reminding them of their own power and ability to heal themselves and then giving them tools. So, you know, whereas you and I already have a pretty solid basic toolkit um, that when we are noticing tension in our diaphragm and getting messages from our body that we can, you know, we can start to shift something. Um, but then from there, there's, you know, as we're talking about the diaphragm, it's like, well, that relates to a particular meridian and that relates to, you know, you can do particular yoga practice and acupressure points and breathing exercises based on exactly what you're experiencing to help support it and help shift yeah. it if it needs to shift. Um, so that's really where my work is focused on now. Um, so I'm doing online uh, one-on-one sessions for people who want a more tailored approach, uh, which is so cool because I've been able to work with people from all over the world that you know I never would have met and worked with if it hadn't if they hadn't been up because um, I'm in New York City and they're not. Uh, and mm-hmm. so I'm also putting together online courses. Um, I have one that's finishing up now and then will be available as an evergreen course for people to access. It's um, I'm calling my work Rolf Yoga because it's really a combination of everything I've learned from body work and everything I've learned from yoga and, and kind of 
meshing it all together into the system of education and building toolkit for people to mm. um, become more embodied, to be able to interface with their discomforts and their pains and their emotions in a way that um, I think is really empowering and really enables them to start to create the transformation um, in the life that they want to live. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's always so much in the works. Um, like I mentioned, or as Lee mentioned in, in my bio, like I'm a super Capricorn and I'm always working and creating new things. So people can stay in touch with me on Instagram, um, on Facebook. I just created a Facebook group. Um, and I think Lee, you'll be posting all those links. So yeah, people will easily will. be able to link up with all that. Um, so I mentioned there's uh, there's a course. It's a four week course that is just finishing up now that people will be able to um, buy and actually have lifelong access to that content. Um, I also just created a one hour. Uh, it, this is really a practice for people who already have an established yoga practice, um, but it is working on a, a, a build up to wheel pose, and it really affects people's posture a lot. And mm. in my experience, both doing this practice and also teaching it, um, not only do I find that it like really helps people find like this upright lift through the posture, but there's also an emotional correlation to that. Like when we feel upright and open, like we feel confident, we feel like we have the energy and wherewithal to be able to navigate our lives and navigate the world right now. Um, so that's also something that people can, can reach out about. If they're interested in that recording. Amazing. Beautiful. Thank you. And I will share all of Chelsea's information out in the show notes. So if you're interested in connecting, learning more, click on the show notes and you can find her there. Any last words or messages you want to share? Yeah, there's something I like to say, which is as long as you are breathing, you are healing. Ah. <sighs> <laughs> uh, meaning like as long as we're alive we still have life force within us and that life force wants us to feel well um, our bodies want to feel well they want to yeah. be listened to and so um, I just want to recognize the the spectrum of experiences that people can be going through and the histories that people can have as they're listening to this. Um, and no matter where you are, whether you're like listening to this and feeling really great in your body or you have minor discomfort, you need to know that change is always possible. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a helpful one to hear. And it's a helpful one as well to hold as the potential for, for all others around us. Ah, totally. Beautiful. So fun to share with you today. <laughs> oh my gosh. I have a feeling we'll be doing this again. So my dear, thank you so much. Um, it was such a thrill and honor to have you on the show today. Oh, so good to be here. Thank you, Lee. Thank you for creating this, this container to be able to have conversations like this. Mm. I so appreciate you and the work you're doing and just the way that, that you are in the world is really beautiful. I received that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, everyone. Until next time, much love and good vibes. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you made it this far, it probably means that you enjoyed listening, learned a lot, and are one step closer to deeper intimacy. 
To help couples like you discover the show and transform their lives, please consider leaving a five-star review and hitting subscribe. You can also find us on Instagram at untamed underscore intimacy. We'd love to hear from you there. If you want to be the first to gain access to exclusive content, practices, and tools to create untamed intimacy in your life, join our mailing list by clicking the link in the show notes. You'll receive powerfully curated content that's no bullshit and pure love. And if you want to learn more about creating untamed intimacy in your life, then visit us at untamedintimacy.com. We see you and we appreciate you. Until next time, much love and good vibes.